Welcome to the Athletic Maple Leafs podcast. My name is Joshua Cloak. And I'm David Alter. We're back. Yes. A little, yeah. little bit of a layoff, a little a little bye week of our own, I guess you could say. Yeah, it was, uh, you know what, I think we needed it. I think we needed a recharge. The Leafs were getting into the nitty-gritty of the season where yep. we had to just kind of, you know, use our, our full resources to make sure that we were available for our writing and yep. not getting a little distracted, but we're back. We're back. Uh, we're here on a, we're here on family day. It is family, family day. day. Yeah, so, my parents don't really celebrate Family Day. It's it's a manufactured day. It's a day to it's a day so that we have the same U.S. holiday too. Yep. So, and, but you know what? I'll take it. It's uh, I usually get together with my parents. We make pizza. Right. Pizza. Uh, yeah, we just that's that's it's the sh- it's, it's a shared specific. interest. Yeah, yeah, interesting. It's, it's so it's what we do. Um, okay. The Leafs have the day off today. I'm assuming um, two games and two nights. The the back to back, including the you know the home and away, they responded very well last night after you know after a loss to Ottawa, an important game that I thought like this is you know this is one where you can make up points. Really responded well last night, and this obviously gives a lot to your not necessarily theory, but but you have talked a lot about how the Leafs always respond well. The day after, or the game after a regulation loss. It, yeah, more or less. I right. mean, we they had a three game stretch where it was starting to come apart, yeah. and it looked like okay, maybe we're in for a bit of a downswing on that. But yeah. it seems like they've they they do figure that out. But uh, against, I mean, those second half of back to back games have just been trouble for the Leafs, and it almost was again uh, against the Carolina Hurricanes. But they managed to. They managed to get goaltending out of there to kind of band-aid the first 15 minutes, I'd right. say. And then the Leafs really responded after that. I think that was that was a big thing. There's a few things about that game that I want to talk about. But first and foremost, what you kind of wrote about um, Curtis McElhaney's performance. Yeah. It, you know, he, he looked good. He looked in control. And it kind of lends weight to the idea that perhaps Babcock should be not giving Anderson as many starts. I mean, we're in that really ugly part of the schedule. The Leafs have, you know, a lot of games, a lot of compressed games. Um, do you think a game like last night maybe does, like, make Babcock reconsider how many games he's going to give Anderson total? I, I Like, I would like to think so. I don't think he will. No. I, I, but I, I think at this point, I was just looking at the schedule, and if you're going to have your backup goalie play all the back-to-backs and the were 18 total, and the Leafs are finished 14 of those instances yeah. already. So that leaves four, four situations of back-to-back for McElhinney to get the start. Now, that would leave... 68 starts something Ooh. like that for for uh, Anderson and that number goes up because you've got to think that in that final week if they're still yeah. going for a playoff spot they have 5 games in 7 days to end the season they finish with and a back to back too they finish with a back to back and there's a back to back it's like it's one yeah. two it, it's the most compressed last seven days that anyone has in the NHL season that you could possibly have because you can't ever have three in a row right so you have two day off one day off two yeah April and, April 1st to April 9th yeah six games right and you're talking games against Pittsburgh Columbus 
Washington. Right, and you've got to think if you're starting your your starting goalie in back to backs in those criticals where you want to, right? Uh, then that eliminates even more situations where McElhaney would get the start. So realistically, if the Leafs are still in a fight and Babcock sticks with this back-to-back scenario, that leaves two more starts. Mm-hmm. That leaves two more starts for McElhaney, and that's it. Unless he really is that confident in the final stretch that he wants to try and gain playoff points from his backup goaltender, which to me doesn't seem prudent. As good as McElhaney has been, I think you really want to kind of rest Anderson so that he is full guns blazing in that Well, they're in week. such an interesting spot because yeah. you... You can't rest him thinking the playoffs are coming because they're not their their spot is is not locked and he's vital to their success. Right. He's vital to them actually getting that wild card spot. Right. Which to me it's it's looking more and more like that's gonna be the spot. I think I think they definitely missed an opportunity to grab a lot of points from Boston. I would say that, but yesterday, I don't know if you saw, or three different senators got hurt. Right, and, yeah. and that could that could send them south. Well, this this division, and I wanted to talk about this. This their entire division has been so strange, especially as of late. You have to think that right now, Leafs and particularly Leafs management, they see what happened in Boston and Montreal, right, and they think we are in a good spot here. You know, the the, the ship is is relatively steady, uh, as steady as it can be with a billion rookies on the roster. Like it's 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 steady they've got a new motto whatever that means but right this is there's a lot of fluctuation in that division you know when you're when the, the the best team in the division fires their coach when a team you're fighting for a playoff spot with fires their coach this this is a real opportunity so to come back to anderson i I don't see them doing it either. I don't... Like, as good as McElhaney was last night, I don't see them doing it because they recognize Babcock has fought long and hard. We remember in the, the early days of the season when Anderson was struggling, he... Babcock was in his corner. And there's right. no reason for me to think now, well, just because McElhaney had a good game and he looked really good, that they're going to deviate from that plan, right? Right, yeah. And uh, But I just... I don't know. I mean, in this day and age... Unless you're someone like Braden Holtby or Carey Price, you're not getting that many starts yeah. in a season. Uh, there's there's issue there, and with Kurt, with uh, with Anderson, you run the risk of serious injury playing him that much. I mean, it's yeah, it, you do. You don't you don't want to you don't want to push it. And I know he's competitive and wants to play all the time, and that's good. And maybe they feel. You know what? If they miss the playoffs because of that, who cares? It was a learning experience for him for next year. And I guess in that respect, they're playing with house money, so they probably won't change it. But I think they should. I think that there are they should kind of look at opponents in that case and look at some of the bottom feeding teams. Like if they get another game against, or well, they won't have another game against the Avalanche. But anyone else who's near the right. bottom. Maybe save those games for McElhaney and just keep them ready. And when you need five games, five starts in seven games from Anderson, you'll have that without any risk of burnout. Because then he plays all those, and then who knows how burnt out he is for game one. Well, if we're looking at, if I'm just looking at some of their back to backs coming up March 22, 23, right. uh, Columbus the first night, New Jersey the second night. So yeah, that's, you can that's have them McElhaney. against Jersey. Uh, April 3rd, April 4th, Buffalo the first night, Washington. So these, you'd put them in against Buffalo. 
you could know, you could yeah. yeah put them in Buffalo and have uh, Anderson for Washington. You can do the one one, uh, or you know even even if you want to stick with him having the second night, that yep. that works too. I mean, uh, it's more so that oh we're talking about those final yeah the, the final stretch there. Yeah, no, I mean, at that final stretch, my opinion is that they need to have Anderson play all five of those if they're in a battle for a playoff spot. March, and then you're yeah. not you're not in March. In March, yeah, you're right. Okay, so we are talking the same thing. In March, that's where you kind of have to pick and choose your spots. Right. And I, I would kind of, I would suggest, you know what, have Anderson play, or sorry, have McElhaney play any random well, you've two got, games yeah. in there. It doesn't matter which ones, but... Obviously, Anaheim, you would have them there, uh, and you could have them in for like another one. But then give them a give them a couple more. I would just yeah. give them a couple more. Bring Anderson down to just a few. That way, if you're in a panic mode, you know you can have Anderson fully rested down the stretch for that. I just I think Anderson's going to play all five of those seven games because of where the Leafs will be positionally. That you don't want to count on your backup goaltender right. for, for critical games. And Anderson has shown himself to be the kind of goalie that can get hot for five, six, seven games at a time. So, right. So perhaps it happens then. I want to talk about matchups. We kind of briefly talked about that, but I want to focus in on matchups. Um, it's looking like if, if it's not a wild card spot, it's looking like the Leafs would play Ottawa in the first round. And the loss against Ottawa on Saturday... Um, Concerning because that that's all that's that those are all the games they're going to play against the Senators right. this season. So they go one and three. Um, concerned if you're if you're if you're Babcock, I don't think so. The playoffs are a whole different animal. Right. And if you go against the Ottawa Senators, the Leafs will have the advantage that that team is not very playoff experienced sure. as well. So I mean, you're not even worried about that element of it. It really is a toss up at that point between those two teams, and it really could come down to talent. Over nerves, yeah. In my opinion, so I think that's a good matchup for them. And uh, someone pointed this out; I forget who, but in those four legendary Leaf Senators playoff series, Ottawa won the regular season series of all of those games okay. of all of those. Okay, teams. so it, it, it kind of it kind of shows you the it's a whole different season. It's a whole different can of worms. Uh, I mean, the Bruins edged out the Maple Leafs in seven games in 2013, mm-hmm. but but uh, they killed them in the in the regular season too. So I mean, it was close, and what, and then it wasn't close. So, I, and I'm just going a bit off board here. If you're the Leafs, who do you want mm. in the playoffs? Who, who I, I think you do your best to not think about that. Right. But if you, if, that kind of if stuff you went with, in. but if you went with my experimental playoff system, which right. was uh, have one through sixteen the best teams in there, right, uh, and then yeah. and then have the best team pick their opponent, and that's the incentive for for finishing first. That, uh, well, that's good. When did you come up with that? I like probably earlier in the season. That's I, good. But just like having one through, like because everyone's talking about how oh well you can't have. Like Boston versus Vancouver in a first round series because that would be unfair. Right. Well, the way to make it not unfair is have Vancouver win the regular season, then they can pick a closer opponent for that reason. So it's a, it, it, it incentivizes you to finish with the best record so that you can pick based on a geographical standpoint, hmm. like in your first round series there, and then you do it again. Because I mean, we've 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 talked before. It's right. it's it's a common kind of discussion to to talk about how often people think the regular season doesn't 
matter when you're when, right. when you're looking at well, the, the reason, two seasons. And, and look at look at the playoff structure right now. Like the yeah. Atlantic, the Leafs are are in a great spot because they're in the Atlantic Division. Because, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're talking only wild card if they're in the Metropolitan. Mm-hmm. Only wild card, but because that fourth place team in the Metro is that much better than the first place team in the Atlantic, it's it's really a, a fluke mm-hmm. that the Leafs have a chance to win their division because they're only five points out of it right now. And but they would be well behind if they were in Washington's division. Yeah, I so think- so that and we deviated for a bit. Right, but like where 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 uh, I was talking about a playoff structure. But if you're the Leafs. I think you want to play any team in the Atlantic Division. I don't think it matters if it's Montreal, Ottawa, Boston. I think, well, yes. given the coaching changes, I think you these are teams that vulnerable. You know, and and the I Penguins think, made a coaching change last year. They yeah, won the cup. I know, I know, <laughs> like, I know. I, that, I, that's I, actually the root. Their last two cups have been that way. Like they did that with Michelle Terrian as well. They yeah. fired Michelle yep. Terrian. And they hired and they hired uh, Dan Bilesma and won the cup. And so now Montreal might, you know, think, be thinking that same thing: hire me, fire Michelle Terrian because it worked for Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and and you know figure it out down the stretch to win the cup. Yeah, I I think with any team, you there's well, there's great storylines with any of these teams that they could uh, that they could uh, face up against, but. I think you're right. Ottawa, the lack of playoff experience there, right? That that probably works in their favor. I think I think for the Leafs, Boston would be good for them too, just to get the demons out. Yeah, because everyone brings it up, and they're going to continue to bring it up until the Leafs beat the Bruins in the playoff series. I remember talking to someone within the organization, being like, who was frustrated about it when when I went to Boston for that last game in Boston, where they had a four one lead in the game before that game. Someone said to me, when are people in Toronto going to stop talking about that already? Like, when are they going to stop? I'm like, it's going to... Yeah. But it, it will only happen... Like, it will only be completely not talked about until they beat the Bruins in a playoff series. Well, here, how about this first segue? Um, after the Centennial Classic, Mitch Marner referenced that. I remember he referenced that Game 7. Yep. Um, he's missed two games because of injury. Sure. Um, you know... The, if if any of their talented rookies were to go down, I mean, it, it's kind of a weird way to look at it. But it, I think a lot of people are happy that Matthews has stayed injury free. Right. Um, who has in, in, what? Who's stepped up in these two games and kind of filled that role that that really that electrifying scoring touch that that. That uh, that Marner brings from a scoring touch, I, it's it's almost hard for me to say. Although he did show it a little bit uh, two nights ago, like right. in, against the Senators. But I would say William Nylander. Yeah, it has to be. And in fact, I was making the argument with some of our colleagues that before that Sunday game, even though Connor Brown had two goals, I still feel he's miscast in that spot, and I would have moved Nylander into that spot mm-hmm. while Marner's away just to replace the skill with the skill for that line. Right. Because the argument there was, you know, without Marner, you are not you don't really have much of a line there. They seem to be kind of struggling. Even though Connor Brown got two goals on Sunday, they still were two the... Two identical goals. Right, but you... they were still the third worst forward line in terms of possession. They were still below 50% possession. Much better than they were on Saturday, 
but the best Toronto player by possession that night on Sunday was William Nylander at like something over 70%. So I feel like even though Nylander seems like he would be the type to kind of see it as a demotion and like really enjoys playing with yeah. with Austin Matthews, I think for the betterment of the team, if you can rationalize with with them, saying, look, I need you to drive that line. Yeah. So I want, and, and explain it to him that way, I need you to to help carry that line mm-hmm. while while Mitch is gone. When Mitch is back, we'll put you back. So, What do you think, um, because Marner's line mates the entire season, Bozak and JVR, also have been sources of trade rumors. He, when he, you know, he's been out two games. Right. And in that first game against Ottawa, they did not, Marner, or sorry, JVR and Bozak yeah. did not look good. Do you think this Marner injury does that change their trade value at all because now teams across the league are probably looking at those two and saying okay this is what they are actually this is what they're actually about yeah i mean i would say that um it's it's going to be not it's not going to have that much of a negative effect because i think uh james van reemsdyk in a sense is going to be a useful add to an experienced team. Right. Like, they'll, they're still going to need him as a winger to kind of drive everything. So, so it'll be one of those things where you keep him going, try to make that work, and teams like Washington or whoever would be contending would be like, you know what, we could really use his skill. We can use his net presence. To- I, I think with James Van Riemsdyk, it's fine. With Bozak, it might be a tougher sell unless yeah. you have a third-line center spot for him. The, 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 the thing with, that I've been thinking about with JVR, I mean, I don't, I don't... I wouldn't like to see the Leafs move him. Right. I think he's, I think he's too valuable as a guy with a little bit of playoff experience. And I, I, I like... The fact that he is that big body, that, right. like, you know, I don't know why you would you would trade away a piece that so many other teams want. But if it's going to happen to me, it's got to be Anaheim. You know, it's got to be. You mean Anaheim. a different conference? Just- yeah, it's ship him to Anaheim and take back one of their young defensemen that that they are very concerned about right. when it comes to the, to the expansion draft. Yeah, one of the things I heard with Anaheim was Kevin Bieksa. Like just because they have cap issues, that they yeah. would they would take it on to right. get him in a high draft pick. Okay, like you know, because that whole taking on long term injury, they had, the Leafs have the luxury of not worrying about financials. Yeah, so they can do what they did in years past, where they got an extra draft pick to eat up Olaf Kolzig's contract. Right. right, right. So it would be things like that where they could look in the future, not affect their active roster help out someone else who has cap or financial issues and get it and get a high draft pick as a result of it. I I've just always thought, I mean, given their, their trade history as well, the Leafs right. in Anaheim, I, I think there's there's precedent there. But we've we've we haven't talked about it a lot in, in podcasts in the in the past, but I think it's time that we can because Babcock had some kind of pointed comments on radio. He said, don't expect us to be very busy. Yeah. Do you? The one thing I've learned with him is, first off, it's not going to be fully up to him. Of course. (laughs) So there's that. And we know that Lou is Lou, and and he's alpha, and Mike Babcock is alpha Mm -hmm. when it comes to coaching. Obviously, input is seen all around, but if Lou sees a deal that's going to help with this whole long-term vision, he's going to do it. Like, it's going to be one of those things. 
and I think that they're gearing for a bunch of lower end moves that, that yeah. still focus on the future, even though they're in a pretty good spot positionally in the Atlantic Division. I don't, yeah, I don't see them doing much of anything. If anything, maybe that that fourth center. Right. Well, that, I think they'll they'll even move some of their defensemen to try and improve down the road. Like if they can. Like, I think they picked up Marchenko knowing that they might ship Polak away, yeah. right? Like a right-handed shot for a right-handed shot. Someone who can play, someone who Mike's familiar with, and will get him into the lineup. They don't just pick him up just to get rid of Frank Corrado. Like, they right. definitely have some sort of plan for him. Uh, and it's another asset. It's another right-handed shot. They keep loading up on Russians. Uh, to kind of fit into Mike's style of, yep. uh, of this five-man front and the way the Russians play. So I think I think um, you're going to see the Leafs be a lot more active than he's letting on. And he even said it, yeah, I don't think you were there, but he also said it that a lot of what he says there is to calm everybody in the room oh, down. Oh, sure. So, yeah. so, so it, it, there's a lot of posturing going on with, with Mike as well. I don't, you know what? I, I know that um, a lot of teams, players generally get nervous around trade deadline. Yeah. And, and, and as well they should. Um, but I, I wonder how much of that is really going on in the Leafs' room right now. I mean, we talked about JVR, Hunwick, Polak. These are your names. I think it's having an effect on Ben Smith. Yeah, I could see that. Um, yeah. I just I spoke to him the other yeah, day, yeah. and um, I looked at his games over the weekend, and he had his worst face-off, second worst face-off game of the year last night. Right, and, that's why, and that's why he's here. That's why he's here, but more importantly, the PK has dropped significantly, yeah. and him and Komarov are the only two forwards that take face-offs on the PK. It killed them in, it killed them in the game-winning goal against the Senators on Saturday night. So he's not to use Mike Babcock's quote, fitting the particular niche mm-hmm. that he was brought in to grab anymore. And he's been moved at the deadline the past two years. He came to Toronto on the deadline last year in that whole, in that whole, um, uh, with San Jose, yep. with that stay lock and everything that they did for to ship Reimer. Away. Right. And the previous year before that, he was shipped from the Blackhawks for another fourth line defenseman, someone who still plays that role in Chicago and Andrew Desjardins. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Chicago went on to win the Cup that year. It, it, it almost seems to me like the trade deadline has become just that. Very much the same player players get moved every yeah, single year. Yeah, it's all year. bottom tier now. You and know? there's been less moves now this year than there have ever been. Yeah, and I again, I, I predict a, a pretty quiet deadline. I think the deadline just gets more and more quiet every year. The, I, the, the, yeah. This Matt Duchesne thing... Uh, there was a bit of a flare-up. Uh, I believe it was Adrian Dater reported that Matt Duchesne, or, or sorry, the Avs had talked to the Leafs about Matt Duchesne. Right. I I don't see any point. How old is Duchesne now? I can't 26? even remember. 26? Yeah, he's too old for that vision. They're not getting go- those guys. They have that players of that ilk. Right. Well, not only that, if you were getting him, why, why wouldn't you have pulled the trigger on Stamkos before? Like, I mean, yeah. why why now would you want to load up on high, costly veterans when you really don't have the room for it? Because if you take on Duchesne, well, then in two years, you're not going to have room for someone yeah. like him. You're going to have so many front-loaded forwards that are getting a lot of money 
Matthews is going to get a lot of money. Marner is going to get a lot of money. Nylander's going to get paid. Nylander's going to get paid if he's still around. I still don't know if he will be. I mean, uh, the Leafs might have other plans. I mean, I only say that because Mike Babcock has been extremely harsh on him, (laughs) like, all through the year. To me, that when I watch Nylander, I think he needs to... Babcock figured out a role for Nazem Kadri. And I know these two... But he did different... it while inheriting him after. Sure. He, he didn't have a... Ch- like, the problem with Babcock is very few times has his mind ever changed in his oh, yeah. history yeah. with someone. Yeah. And it, it almost seems like if he's already got a preconceived notion of you, then that's pretty much it. And I feel like that... We saw it with Corrado. Right. You know? Well, I mean, to a lesser extent, yeah. yeah but yeah. I mean, now... like. Once he's made a determination on you, it's almost impossible for that person to change their mind, change Babcock's yep. mind. And I felt like even in that game against the Bruins where he had two goals, he was very he, – he wasn't praising him. He was like, yeah, well, when his buddy's out there, he plays. Like, it's like, okay, well, I mean, no, I don't I, know if that's really necessary. Like, the last couple of games, he's been more complimentary of him. But I think Babcock realized he needs to because he needs – that offense that Mitch Marner has given up. Right. Like, when, when Marner's not there, yeah, I mean, Nylander needs to be that guy. But down the road, when they're going to be making those kind of decisions and they feel they can get a 1-2 defenseman, they might need to... It depends. It depends what. I'm not saying it's going to happen. No, for no, sure, no, 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 no. But, I... but I, I can see them using that as an asset when they realize, okay, they don't want to run into the Edmonton problem of paying R&H and and McDavid and Hall, all this money, they don't have room to address other needs. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I, and my line of thinking is just, you should never trade a young player until you know exactly what he is. And I think... Right. And, and I think the flashes of brilliance... It could take a couple of years. Yeah, but the flashes of brilliance that Nylander has shown this year have been surprising just in that, like... I, I hate to say when he wants to. Right. But when it's, when it's there... It's very, very convincing. And I think in, in most other years, he's a rookie of the year candidate. Right. You know? Um, so I, I would be against that move. But again, they, they there's no doubt that they have a plan and they're thinking a few years ahead. And yeah, you're going to... Look, I, I hope people start talking about it more and more. Because right. I've been talking about it a lot this year. The Leafs are going to have a very serious, good problem, I guess, when... Marner and Matthews and Nylander and their entry-level deals are up. Yeah. I think that is going to be exponentially more money than people assume right now. Because all three players are going to get better. And all three players' numbers are going to get better. And if they can all drive separate lines and Mike ever gets rid of this notion of what he thinks the fourth line is, then, yeah, I think that, that can really I really think they're really, really going to be up against it. So... But yeah, I think the Senators might be active now. If they do have massive injuries, I think they're going to feel oh, yeah. compelled to make some sort of short-term move. I mean, the, uh, Dion Phaneuf was kind of a short-term move for them as well. So, I mean, I think they see a limited window and they're going to have to do something about it. So so that's that's definitely something I think they're going to have to do very quickly. Phaneuf's been good lately. We're kind of getting off. Well, loops, Dion, Dion Phaneuf has been good when he's put in the right situation for yeah. success. Yeah. They have him as a 3-4 with Cody CC, and that is perfect for yeah. him. Yeah. If Phaneuf wasn't getting paid what he was getting paid and the circumstances of how he arrived to Toronto were a lot different, 
and not automatically declared this captain like the old regime placed him in, I think he would have worked out as a fine player for the sure. Maple Leafs. But they just had they, they had him wrong. They they really had him wrong. So uh, that's that's what I feel about that. And the interesting thing for the Leafs now on defense is that's where their identity is missing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Morgan Riley's a true one and two yet. I mean, he's prone to some kind of mistakes that are similar to Jake Gardner's. I think uh, yeah. I think Zaitsev's helped him out quite a bit, but I don't think Zaitsev. I don't There's know if Zaitsev's a one-two as well. Well, he's going to get paid too. He will and he won't. I don't know. I mean, Mike's very high on him, but management seems to not want to dole out all this money for a one-year frame of reference for a defenseman. So he, he's incredibly calm and savvy with the puck for someone who's first year in the NHL. Right. I will. I will give him that. He's been great for them. And uh, on an interview at Sportsnet, yeah, Babcock said, I don't know where we'd be with if we didn't have this guy. That's what he said yeah. to Lou. So I think he was making his case to Lou in front of us about that. Mm-hmm. But in knowing their camp and knowing what they're looking for, it's going to be hard to give three years to someone like Zaitsev for one year. Let's look forward to the upcoming week. Um, really interesting matchup on Tuesday. Patrick Line visits Toronto for the first time. Yep. Uh, I've got a story up. Yeah, I read that this like, morning. He is like, look, people are going to be comparing him and Matthews. That will be the storyline, you know, the right. going into this game, whatever. But this is a player that has really become acclimatized to the NHL incredibly quickly because... I don't think a lot of people understand that he faced this in Finland. Like, he was playing, you know, pro hockey in Finland. Yep. Um, and the Finnish hockey media, quite small, but, I mean... They're still pretty rabid. I got yeah. to meet the Finnish media right. doing a couple of world championships. Uh, for a country of 5 million people, hockey is is, is everything to them. When yeah. I, was in, I was in Finland last year for the World Juniors, and most just Finnish hockey fans that I spoke to all said the same thing. They're like, we... As a country, are just as rabid as our love for our love for hockey as as you in in Canada. We just don't show it. We just don't, you know, beat our chests over it. And I said, yeah, okay, that's fine. I like I can see that because Canadians are very out and out about their their love of the game. Right. Um, but Line A has been dealing with media scrutiny for a lot longer than an Austin Matthews. Right. You know. Even a Mitch Marner, right? Um, and and he so when when people when he comes here and and he scrums, people are going to ask him about his confidence. Well, where does your confidence come from? Because we know you, you what you show of us is a very confident, borderline cocky player. And and why not? Like, hasn't he reserved the right to be sure? And isn't that like to me in in doing this story and talking to people about Patrick? Isn't that a good thing for the game? Big personalities. Yeah, I you think know? so. I think a lot of times we see players that have kind of the personality beaten out of them. Years of media training. Right, and it's still happening here. I mean, in scrums, he's not as forthcoming and honest about his confidence aligning yeah. as he actually truly is away from the media. And oh, that's yeah. because he knows, and the hockey culture is beaten into you to the yep. point where... Yeah, you know, you play for the team, not the person. Don't show this too much. Don't do all that. I hate it personally. I mean, oh yeah, like I mean, I like I like Brent Burns and I like 
um, PK Subban for the sole reasons that they show personality and they're, they're confident you guys. Look at what the NBA has become. Yeah. It's a league full of stars. They sell their stars. Right. Um, I think a lot of Patrick it's also Lyon. big business. You want to bring more revenue for the for the league, you know, showcase your stars. Yeah. I get it. It's a team game, but the team doesn't sell. The players do. Yep. And I think you're going to see... So what I think you're going to see on Tuesday is a very, very motivated Patrick Laine. And if I, I don't know who's going to be his assignment, but like, look, I, I, I think that's going to be a pretty difficult game for the Leafs. Rangers then on Thursday, uh, they faced the Rangers a number of times. They were when they were last year. Yeah, I can't remember. It was a loss. Grabner got. Grabner was the story. Grabner got one or two goals. He got at least one. I do remember that. And then Saturday against Montreal. So you know, not not just a compressed schedule again, but tough games, tough teams here. Um. I don't know. I don't know. These are your last three games before they go on their California road trip. Um, I don't know where they they pick up the points here because, you know, we know that they have trouble beating Montreal in the regular season. Right. But they are at home. I mean, their approach will be different. uh, That's for sure. They'll still have the trade deadline to deal with. I'm more concerned about how the Leafs are going to play post-trade deadline because I was in a media writers hockey pool last year and okay. I decided to go completely off the board in strategy compared to everybody else so I looked at not just possession but like shots on goal too like a lot of different things but I took only the data from the trade deadline on really and I threw everything else out and the two teams I had in the final two were Pittsburgh and San Jose okay and the reason that is is because I truly think that regardless of what you did before all these moves that happen after you don't have the anxiety of wondering if you're being moved Mm -hmm. but your team is also your team like you can't factor what teams did before because those teams just even if it was one change they're not the same team right they're the only the team afterwards so that to me is going to hold more weight with the Leafs regardless of how they play in those three games and how they do in that final month and a half or yeah, month month and a week or whatever. Right. Than anything else. All right, so I'm going to put it to you. Who? Give me one name. If you were a betting man, who's one player that you think will get moved? Be up besides Ben Smith, Roman Polak. Okay. Again. Yeah. Yeah. I, could... I think Roman Polak is definitely going to get moved for. I don't. Probably not a, a stupidly high return. I think it's going to take till the very last day before it happens because I think he was moved for a couple seconds, if I remember correctly. Like a, two uh, seconds. Like yeah. Well, I mean, good haul. Like well, as part of yeah, as part of a package. But but um, yeah, I think Roman Polak again because there's going to be a team that's going to feel like we need another five six that has the experience and. Yeah, he wasn't great in the cup final, but they still got to the cup final. Mm-hmm. So so I think I think Lou's gonna do his best sell job there. Now in an interview I did with Polak a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago, he said to me that last year when he got traded, Lou gave him a month in advance heads up that he was being moved. Which made sense because of where they were in the standings. We knew they were sellers. Right. This year he hasn't been told anything. So so they're a little bit more coy about what their plan is, and I think that's because the Leafs are still evaluating that. Yeah, 
I, I mean, if, if you move Polak, uh, he doesn't. He he gets a he catches a lot of flack for his style of game. Um, right. But if you look, if you can move him and and still fetch a a, a decent return, I, I don't. Are they still in the the stage where they're trading for picks? I don't. I don't think they are anymore. I, you know, I don't. I know that was the plan last year. I don't really right. think they are. I think they'll still do it, but the but I think they'll do it for higher picks only. If yeah. they, if they can get first and seconds, and I think their strategy is, if we give someone that and we we ask to take a problem contract that's expiring right. in exchange to get a second or first round pick, then we're definitely going to do it. So I think that's their strategy. You know, they got Brooks Light because they they could get Connor Carrick in yep. second. So uh, I think that's going to be their strategy still. If they can take on a problem contract like a in Anaheim, if, if Anaheim wants to alleviate their cap concern and they give them, what's his face, uh, Kevin Bieksa, yep. but they'll give them uh, a late first by, yeah. by doing that, then why would you not do that? Yeah. Like, because they're, it's higher selections. I mean, yeah, they're loaded on whatever, but they still need defensemen. They still need someone they can draft high defense, defensemen with. They don't Now, with how rare it is to find good defensemen, you've got to pick them in, in the first round. The Leafs are just in such a strange position because you look at the teams that are going to be buying. These are teams that are, their playoff spot is, is almost a lock. You know, your Montreal's... Teams like that, and the teams that are selling know they're out of it. The Leafs are still right in the middle. You know, nothing is guaranteed. So I, I still think there's something to JBR being moved, and I only say that because this team has a history of surprising me at the deadline. Right. And this just, you know, I, I, we both get the email. This so and so has been moved, and, and right. to me, it's always oh, didn't see that coming. Right. You know, and and what we know about Lou. Is that he's not afraid to pull the trigger? Right. And he and he has a history of surprising us, you know. So I think um, JBR is on a, a pretty favorable cap hit, but right. he's still due for a raise. And I don't know. If but if someone gives him a late first, yeah. he's going to do it because yep. he's going to feel like he's got people in the pipeline that can fulfill because, the yeah, spot. Yeah, because a player like JBR has one more year after this one on right. his contract. In fact, if you can race. get a first in the following year, that would be better because at least then you're, it's not guaranteed that it's going to be. Yeah. It's well, it's not going to be guaranteed that it's going to be a bot like a like that team could miss the playoffs. Is right. what I'm saying, unless they lottery protect it. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I I have no intel on this whatsoever, but a JVR deal, I could I I could foresee that happening. Um, we're gonna go ahead and go. What have you got on the athletic as of late that that people should be checking out? Uh, well, we I have the case for Ben Smith being moved again, and okay. I just kind of talked about why he, why like uh, how like his journey there and kind of how he's just not fitting this role anymore. The PK, yep. I did I did the numbers of how many faceoffs he's losing on the PK and and how the PK is kind of slid in a, slid as a result of that. Um, so there's that. Um, this week we're gonna have a Jim Hiller piece right. on on right. um, 
on his. You've done a lot of work for that. I'm I'm excited to read it. Yeah, too. I hope it's good. We'll see. I'm never never too confident until it's out there. So we'll see. Um, but there's that, and um, yeah, I think uh, I think it's going to be an interesting week for sure. Uh, the Leafs' medal will really be tested in March, though. I truly believe that once the anxiety of being moved is gone, yeah. if they're still in the hunt. And this is exactly what Leafs, what the Leafs wanted. I know Mike Babcock wanted playoffs or not. We want to make the playoffs, but if we're playing meaningful games in April, we've done our job for development. Okay, I think you're right. That March is is really going to, it's really going to say a lot about where, what this roster is. Um, but again, we've got a pretty interesting week coming up before the deadline. Um, there's a few other things that we should be talking about. One last one before we go. Trevor Moore, um, prospect with the Marlies. He was signed as a free agent out of the University of Denver. Tyler Bozak's old school. Yeah. Um, eight points in his last six games. Um, you're going to check out the Marlies today. He's up on our latest Monday prospect report. Um, what do you... Is this the kind of player that that the Leafs bring in and say, "Look, we know that you know we're going to be moving some of these wingers down the road." Such a skilled player, um, he's got a lot to do to work on his all-around game. But I, I look at him and talking to him, I think that he is that kind of player that they can say, "Let him marinate, you know, do right. his thing in the minors, you know, give him two years in the minors, and then when we have to start moving some of these." wingers because we can't keep paying them all that's when he gets his shot yeah perhaps i mean it really is a crapshoot they yeah. might find that there just isn't room for him and he ends up going somewhere else and being a caliber nhl player for another team i think right now in the leaf situation is i don't think he would be called up anytime soon no no i, no. I think i think we're looking at like a leipzig once he gets healthy enough uh, I mean, they're decimated. I believe for the Marlies game, they're gonna have like just not. They're gonna have like nine scratches for this game this afternoon on on the Monday. Leipzig, like Kapanen, Lindbergh, like Valiev. It's, like yeah. it's there's a lot of there's a lot of injured bodies. But they're hanging on to that playoff spot, right? Well, they, they they're ten two and one in their last yeah. thirteen games. They've been crazy. Oh, another thing I wrote about was Seth Griffith this right. past week, which right. you should check out too. Living. The, the Delta Hotel seems to be the, the Leafs' resident um, <laughs> right. pickup hotel. And um feel bad for the guy because he's been bounced around yep. so much. But he's such a prolific AHL scorer. Like, last year he was second in points for in the AHL. And he played 20 less games than everybody. And he's on the line with Trevor Moore. Right. They've got a lot of chemistry. Yeah, so there's been some benefit yep. there. And I feel like Griffith kind of had a bad haul where, I mean, if... if the problem is Mike doesn't seem to value Seth Griffith when he's up there, but I yeah. think, but I think if you call up someone right now with all the injuries, who else? Like that's the guy. Yeah, that has to be the guy. So I don't know. It's it's tough. I think Griffith played on a first line with the Panthers with all those injuries. I know, and he went from that to this. So it's. I think he deserves another shot if Kapanen and Leipzig are not healthy enough to return, and the Leafs are in need of another forward. If you need a break from the intensity of trade deadline, I've got a few stories coming out. Fun stuff about how players that come over here learn English. Yeah. And another one uh, to coincide with the California road trip on the realities of being a dad in the NHL. The Leafs don't have a lot of dads on the team, and that's just a natural byproduct of being a young team. 
Oh, I forgot. Since we're talking about a couple of stories upcoming, I've got one on on Toronto younger players that grew up watching the deadline and now having to be... Right. It's very meta because now they're involved in it as yeah, opposed yeah. to just watching it with their friends on TV. Because they're Because they're young enough now that the trade deadline has become an event for them too. Where like the older players yeah. or the American players, like Connor Carrick was saying, yeah, we, we didn't have any of that. I would have watched it, but we didn't have any of that. So there's that. And there's also looking at Frederick Anderson's puck moving ability and how the Leafs haven't really had goaltenders that were confident in that since like Joseph and Belfour. As, and, and, and see how it changes their frame of mind defensively. As always, a lot of great stuff on theathletic.com slash Toronto. Check it out. You know the drill, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. We will be back again before the deadline. The deadline is March 1. March 1. March 1. We will definitely be back before then. Thanks as always for listening. Talk soon. Star Hawk, yeah. Street Ritual.